Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. You are not called to live an ordinary life. You're called to extraordinary in the image of God's Son. And you know, the one thing that made God's Son so extraordinary was that He did the will of God without compromise. So today, as clearly as I can, I want to tell you from the start what I want you to do for the rest of your life. Do God's will. That's all all I want. That's how you'll enter extraordinary. That's how you'll leave broken behind. That that is how your life will not be a sad, dying down, um, you know, kind of a, a life that is breaking the people around you. That's how your life is going to be one that for all of eternity um, will echo praise for God. And, and, and I want to tell you from Mark chapter 3 what a life that's really close to Christ looks like. People have done all kinds of things to be close to Christ, um, you know, wear all kinds of things, have all kinds of titles. There's all kinds of things that we think, wow, that's what it means to be close to Christ. But today, we're going to hear very clearly what Jesus said it means to be close to Him. In fact, in Mark 3.35, He said this, Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And so the key word today is do. The key word today is is active in action. You know, it's relatively easy to know religious things. I mean, it just is. But where does all the knowing go? When you're learning, what are you doing with what you know? The reality is that everything that we know um, that doesn't get done is actually something that, that we don't know at all. It's just now something that, that has gone bad in the refrigerator because it stayed too long. It's easy, uh, you know, to gather information, but if information doesn't translate into action, it is meaningless. Learning something true in our hearts, it sets up this contest. It, it sets up a contest that says, whose will really matters? Is it my will that I really want to do in life, or is it God's? And religion, in my opinion, um, so there's this, this zone over here that says, my will matters, and I want to do what I want to do. Well, at least you're honest and, and good on you. And on the other side is this, this zone where it says, I, I want to do God's will. I realize that every time I'm in the driver's seat of my life, I wreck the car. So I want to do God's will. That's my passion. That's my heart. Amen. That, that is where life begins. In the middle, there's this lie. And in the middle, the lie is the appearance of doing God's will and sometimes even deceiving ourselves into thinking, I want to do God's will. But the reality is beneath that is the desire to do our own will. And so, um, you know, this is, this is the dead zone, the, the deadest of, of the dead zones. So, so if I don't integrate God's truth into my living, I've repelled God's assault on my autonomy. I've thrown him back from the castle walls of my kingdom, and I've defended the rule of my own will in my own life. And the truth is that what gets out of us in the doing, it's all that's ever really gotten into us. And so you and I can know all kinds of things, but if we are not living them, we know nothing, and we are deceiving ourselves. 
In other words, my will rules until I open the gates and let God's will in and allow his power and his reign and his sovereignty to take authority over my life. And the takeover, it's not theoretical, it's practical, it's real world. It's moment by moment, decision by decision, relationship by relationship. No country has two kings. The will that's done, well, that's the will that's won. And so if you want to know the truth of where you are uh, in your desire to do God's will, how much of God's will are you doing? And when I choose to do God's will, seeking him in the small stuff, I reveal that Jesus has become the king of my kingdom, and therefore it's not my kingdom anymore, right? And if it's not my kingdom, then, then um, it all belongs to God, and, and mine becomes the ugliest four-letter word in the, the kingdom of heaven, because nothing is mine anymore. God has given me all of the inheritance of Christ, and I've traded my little uh, garbage dump gatherings for the infinite, you know, the infinite good of God. When I do my will, I reveal myself as a rebel. I reveal that I'm holding out against the reign of God in my life. I re reveal that I'm rejecting God's reign and rule in me. Alberto Castro uh, one of our partners in, um, in Costa Rica is an amazing church. Uh, they have the equivalent of about 53 Love Wins houses, um, you know, all different kinds of, of expressions. Um, but he says this, if healthy doctrine doesn't translate into healthy practice, how can it be healthy doctrine? And the simple truth is it, it can't be. You know, the, the reality is that we want to become a, a four-by-four church. We want to get off-road and in the mud, right? And, and about the best most churches do is they, they build a mall crawler. You know, they, they build something. You know what I'm talking about. They build something that looks good, and the biggest thing it's ever going to take is a curb, now, I will say, as, a, as, a, you know, as we become a four-by-four church, we get in the mud and the mess and the rocks of the world, I will say that I could make an argument for being a one-by-two um, you know, church. Next slide. But it doesn't translate as well than, than the four-by-four than the four church. But imagine us being a four-by-four four church where we're just committed to getting off-road. We're committed to getting off-culture. Next slide. We're committed to, to moving forward into the places where God's will is actually done. And where it's not anymore about how do I look? Um, you know, I, I've learned this cultural role of what church looks like. And, and, and you, you got to understand that so much of church is culture. It can be white culture, it can be black culture, it can be living culture, it can be dead culture. I'm not saying culture's wrong. I'm just saying recognize culture for what it is. It's, it is a way that we have agreed to do things, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's from the Holy Spirit or the kingdom of God or, or anything. And, and if you want to know what God's will is, you go to Jesus. You go to the Holy Scriptures. And you see what they say, and then you don't just know it in your head. You, 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 you listen for the Father's will, and you live to do it. 
Jesus said, this is what a four by four church looks like. In, in Matthew chapter 25, um, verses 35 and 36, Jesus said this, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. And that's what we're talking about today in the connected life. We're talking about becoming a community of people who don't live apart from one another, afraid of one another. You know, again, if you could put on glasses that would help you see spiritual reality, you and I would see devastating relational poverty uh, that, that, that looks like a war zone. And, and, and how tragic is it that hell is a place apart where nothing connects to nothing. Heaven is a place together where everything has been woven together from all eternity past. It is a together place. We ought to be practicing now for where we'll be then. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Are you afraid to let other people in to your weird little world? Well, at least I know Mine is a weird little world, and I'm assuming yours is the same. But when we stop worrying about how we look and how we appear and, and hiding our broken, and we just recognize that, that I am called to, to look around and, and live with an open door. Man, I'm telling you, God could do so much to bring us together as a church. That's getting off cultural road. That's getting in the mud and the mess of real life. That's where Jesus will be found. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes. You clothed me. You did something. You did something. You did something. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will say, Lord, when do we ever see you uh, or, you know, hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we ever see any of this in you? And Jesus will say in Matthew 25, 40, the king will reply, truly I tell you that whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Now we are beginning to get off road. We're on the gravel really right now. Uh, this week we have winter relief. It is going to be an amazing experience to where we'll have some, some wonderful people that, that, that Father is especially fond of as our guests this week. And, and we are not here as, as together people helping people not together. We're here as broken people who know Jesus, um, loving broken people who don't. The Love Wins House uh, is, is amazing. It's coming along. Sean and the team are doing uh, really uh, amazing jobs with it. The plumbers are in, putting in plumbing, you know, uh, HVAC, electricity, all is going to be coming in shortly um, and, and soon. Um, a talk with Mandy at the well, you know, they could have filled the house this last week with the women from off the streets that, that are looking for a place. But we're getting there. Down the street on, on Pennington Avenue, if we really got serious about being an off-road church, there, there's a, an old military hospital, a hotel that has 52 rooms. I'm telling you, if I had four to $500,000 right now, uh, we would buy it and renovate it and, and address the homeless populations of, of homeless vets, of, of women with kids. I mean, there are so many populations we could do uh, with that. And so, you know what? We're just, with another church in the air, we're just praying because we're going to go off road. And sometimes when you're off road, you look at the cliffs and you think, I can't make it up that. 
But then when you're off-road with Jesus, you remember that he said that we could do all things through him because he'll give us strength. So folks, we're going to get off-road and we're going to do God's will. By offering a loving touch and speaking a saving truth, we can introduce hurting people to a friend we know who can change their life. And if you're here today uh, hurting and you don't know him, I I honestly want to tell you that I believe with all of my heart, not as a pretender who has it all together, but as a a broken person who's who's experienced this love and, and has much more to experience, that I know someone who can change your life. And he is real and he is powerful and he is good. And when you call on his name and you mean it, you will never be the same. He will change your life. He has that power. And all the times you've tried to do it in your strength, this will be different because it will be him doing it in his. Imagine a church where every believer lives doing God's will. Man, we could change 10,000 worlds under the anointing of God. We, we could truly be the kingdom of God coming. We could be the, the extraordinary surprise of, of God's son on earth again in the 21st century. Why are they doing that? Why are they loving like that? Why, why do they care about me? And the answer, it's Jesus. Jesus, oh, and more Jesus. And the genius of God's way is that, that people are asking themselves rather than us having to go and, and trying to get their attention. Because like Jesus, they're intrigued by people who lay down their own will. Let me talk to you about some typical barriers to doing God's will. The biggest barrier to, to doing God's will is, is being lost and trying to get by or be good enough, trying that approach. You know, the truth is, I really don't have a surrendered personal relationship with God, um, so I'm going to try to be good enough and appear good enough, and, um, and, and it'll never work. Jesus said, you must be born again in John 3. No one can ever see the kingdom of, of God unless they are born again. What does that mean? Mm, it means a lot, and it means more than I know, um, but, but what did, you've seen a birth right? What did that mean? What was that all about? You know, uh, that, that miracle of new beginning, it takes something just like that in the spirit realm for you to be in the place where you can begin to do God's will. And so I would ask you, have you ever opened the doors of your kingdom and let the real king come in? Have you ever been born again? Because you and I will never do the will of God by trying to get by or be good enough with with this dead zone of religion in the middle. Sin, pride, rebellion, and lust, these are all barriers to doing God's will. And lust isn't just sexual. Lust is a strong desire for anything that you think will satisfy you, anything that this world provides. Um, that, that you think, if only I could have that, then I would be. That's, that's an exercise in, in, in lusting. And, and all of these things, especially pride, are barriers to, to God's will. It's keeping Jesus locked out of all the pain and the broken that's buried deep down in the basement of our lives. That's another layer of dead religion. You know, you're going to let Jesus in, but he doesn't get to go down into the basement where the bodies are buried. You know, 
He, he doesn't go, get to go back into the past and, and, and to see those moments in the family life where you got scarred, you got hurt, you got used, you got broken. Jesus can't come back into that past and speak his peace. We are all so afraid of pain. That's what addiction is all about. That's what so much of sin is all about. We're afraid of pain. I'm telling you in the kingdom, there's no way around it. You cannot get to the resurrection without the pain of the cross. And if you want to be a healthy human being, then you have to open the doors of your life deeply surrendered and let Jesus come in and walk through with his healing, redeeming love and grace all of your life. And especially what is deepest and most radioactive and painful in your life, Jesus wants to come in and heal. And if you and I try to stay in the realm to where we're going to, you know, never face our pain with Jesus and, and we're going to learn things, but we're never going to let Jesus truly heal us, there will always be an energy in this direction like two horses pulling one way and two horses pulling the other. It'll never work. Another typical barrier to doing God's will is underestimating the cost of conversion and the cross. Now, 1 John 2.15 um, says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Wow, this is high cost. I, I can't have the world and the king uh, of the kingdom. Uh, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God, not knows it, whoever does the will of God lives forever. And the forever living starts now in the moment of our surrender. Mark 8, 35 and 36 says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life, for me, it's personal. This is all about Jesus. <laughs> and for the gospel, there's this movement of God. Um, they will save it. But, but what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? And the answer would be, okay, I, I lost them. <laughs> for what? What use would it be to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? The answer is none. none. It, it's a wasted exercise. This is why, doing God, why does doing God's will matters? Well, because the world is broken apart by doing the will of hell. And hell has a will for your life. It is that downward pull. It is the darkness. It is... It is the anger, it is the, the meanness, it is the doubt, it is the fear. Um, you know what it is, and hell has a will for your life. And if you do not do God's will, then hell's will gets done by default. It's kind of like standing in front of the train. If you choose not to move, you made your choice, right? And the salvation of Jesus is Father's invitation to step off the tracks, so, so God's will matters because the world is redeemed by doing the will of God and redemption is beautiful. It's not magic wand stuff. It's much bloodier and much muddier and much dirtier than that. It isn't magic wand, yellow brick road, instant kind of stuff, but, but the redemption of God is, is beautiful. 
I mean, think about it. We, how, how, how bizarre would it be for us to have a gallows and, and to wear that as a piece of jewelry? Or, or to take an electric chair and to paint that and have that up in our offices. Can you imagine having a big electric chair in your office and people walking in and going, you are sick. That's, and yet the cross, the ugliest instrument of execution ever devised by human beings, no other means of execution lasts three to four days. It's become beautiful to us. The ugliest thing on earth, the ugliest thing hell could throw God's way becomes beautiful in redemption. That's why God's will matters. Because when you and I do the will of God, he takes all of the bad and all of the broken and and he, he transforms it into good. He makes it beautiful. He does this. And it's real. I know somebody who can change your life. His name is Jesus. And he's changing mine. Doing God's will matters because you have an eternal part to play in the, in the grand redemption story of God. You have a part to play. You have a part to play. Uh, you know, uh, imagine a, a pilot, you know, on an aircraft carrier and he's, he's the first one off of the deck. And, and, and the United States is, is under attack and, and he is the first wave. But he sits on the deck. And, and he's commanded to go, but he sits on the deck. And he's had all this training and all this experience and all this potential and the roar of more horsepower in, in the engine behind him or her than, than you can imagine. But he sits on the deck. That's us. And all of us would look and say, you have a part to play. You got to go. You got to go. And, and God would say to you, not the, the, the Christian superstar, not the, the pastor on the stage or, or somebody else. God would say to you, you need to go. I want to use you. I've purposed your life from eternity past. And I made you just like I wanted to make you. You're no accident. There's, there's nothing wrong with you that my, my love can't fix. You were perfect by design, marred by sin, and and perfectly redeemed by grace. That's my plan. Will you do my will? Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, his poema, his creation, the the height of his work, the best work he's ever done. And, and, and he, he created us in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to think about. To study. We need to study these works. Imagine the pilot on that deck saying, well, if I only had a little more training. Do you really think the United States Navy is going to put you in that plane and on that deck if they didn't believe you were ready to go? Do you really think God Almighty... Would, would try to launch you off the end of the unknown into faith if he didn't think that you were ready in, in Christ. The reason why we're, most of us are, are, are not off-road churches is because we're a people filled with doubts about God and about ourselves. And I'm just telling you, doubt is the way hell works, not the way the kingdom of God advances. 
The, the way that we could become an epic church, an extraordinary church, is by faith, by actually trusting that what God said is true. Every promise has a premise. And when God gives a promise, you, you look to it and you trust it and you act on it. You do it. And life gets changed. Some of you are, are, are tired of the, the non-adventure you're living and you know deep down inside of you there's more. And what is it? it, it is, it's the extraordinary will of God that he's calling you to. You have a difference to make on planet earth. And if you don't make that difference, no, nobody else will as well. Because if we don't do God's will, it simply doesn't get done. I, I truly believe that with all my heart. Yes, God is still God. Yes, his... His plan of, of salvation will, will reign, but the scripture clearly says it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come. And yet all will not come, so God's will in his sovereign grace, he has given permission for it not to be done. You have that choice. You can stand on the tracks if you wish. But why? In Mark chapter three, verses 20 through 25, um, the, the scripture begins um, in this, this story of Jesus. And the scripture says, Then Jesus entered a house and, and a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples couldn't even eat. But I want to tell you that sitting and watching doesn't make you close to Christ. A fan isn't a follower. When his family heard about this, they went in to take charge of him for they said he's out of his mind. This is family. Any of y'all family crazy? Okay, right? <laughs> um, so this is Jesus. They've seen him live his life for 30 years. Have they ever seen him crazy? Have they ever seen him out of his mind? And yet, if you commit to a four-by-four four life of doing God's will, you're going to be criticized. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be falsely accused by those who don't know you and by those, some, closest to you. And the teachers of the law came down from Jerusalem and said, he's possessed by Beelzebul and the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. Well, there's an, uh, a real faithful interpretation. So Jesus called him over to him. You know, I, I would have loved to just even see how Jesus did that. Guys, guys, come here. Come here. I got I to tell you something. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom can't stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house can't stand. If Satan opposes himself and is divided, he can't stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. That's what God is wanting you to trust in, in your life. I've, I've tied up everything that's tying you up. I've defeated everything that's defeated you. I've overwhelmed and overcome everything that's overwhelmed and overcome you. Now you can live in the overflow if you believe. If faith rises. And then Jesus says, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They're guilty of an eternal sin. This isn't the point of the message, but just as an aside, the unforgivable sin is simply this, I believe. Rejecting God's will revealed in the Spirit's work of leading the world to Christ. Jesus is saying, you can look at me and reject me, but what you can't reject is the will of God 
that the Spirit is revealing in me. You stand on the tracks, you're not going to beat the train. And then, um, you know, Scripture, verse 30 says, uh, they said this because, uh, you know, they were saying that he has an impure spirit. And then, to top off Jesus' day, what a great day he was having. His mother and brothers arrived, and standing outside, they sent someone to call him. Guys, you will always hear some other call in your life. Somebody is, going, is always, their voice is always going to be playing in your life and, and offering you uh, some, some other call other than the call of God. Inviting you to do some other will than the will of God. But, but that call is always going to be a less than call. You got to decide whose voice you're going to listen to. Other people's? Your own, the voice in your head that you're proud of? The voice in your head that you know is crazy? Or the voice of God in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit? A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mothers and brothers are outside looking for you. And, and I will say, you know, even for those who venerate Mary in ways that, that we would say, mm, it's just not here Listen to this. Then he looked around to those seated in a circle and he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will, whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. The truth is, if you and I are related to Jesus, if his blood flows through our veins, then the cry of our heart and the call of our life will be to do God's will, whether we understand it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, none of that matters. To assault the sovereignty of God with our three-pound brain worth of understanding is not even smart wise it makes zero sense but to do the will of God in love just like Jesus that's where your life will be found that's where we as a church will begin to gain traction that's where we'll get off road and begin to find Jesus in new ways so how do I do God's will well let your broken be broken by Jesus love and I don't exactly know how to say this, but, but here's the difference with true repentance. Somehow, the hard shell of all of your broken gets melted by the love of, of God's grace. Your broken gets transformed by love into brokenness. Your anger gets dissolved into peace. There is this conflict that happens and you willingly lose. And when God is free to enter into the deepest parts of your broken, he does something beautiful with it. And the glory of it is, instead of your brokenness being a disqualifier in your life, your brokenness becomes the, the places where God shines and pours out of your life. Paul said, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't have to front like I got it all together. I don't. I just have to, to be dependent. I just have to be surrendered, committed to do God's will. And whatever I don't have, and God does, man, it's going to be to his glory. 
And look at Moses, a stutterer. But that man was the spokesman of God, uh, you know, overcoming the greatest superpower on earth. How much was the glory of God exalted by a stutterer being the most eloquent spokesman of freedom that has ever lived? And yet you and I in faithlessness hold up our sin and broken as bigger than the blood and grace of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's a, that's an old kind of crazy Call on his name. Acts 2.21 says this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not the qualified, not the people who haven't been real bad. Everyone who calls with all of their heart and their brokenness and their surrender on the name above all names, the King of Kings, Jesus will be saved. How do I do God's will? Die to your will over and over and over again. One king per country, one king per country, one king per country. And if you insist on ruling your life, God will let you. The power and the truth is, it's not really you ruling at all. It's hell pulling your strings like a puppet. Actively seek God's will in relationship with Jesus and his people. <laughs> you know, uh, you know don't, don't try to do this on your own. Live the connected life. Together is better. It's stronger. We're going to be together forever. Read scripture. Imitate Jesus' life. Do what he did. Whenever you read scripture, ask yourself, how can I do this? How can I integrate this in my family? How does this make me a better husband, a better spouse? How does this make me a better parent, a better child? How does this make me a better student, a better, a better worker, a better leader? God's will isn't a mechanical plan that you know of and approve. God's will is a love relationship you hear and do. You listen for the Father's voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. <laughs> and they recognize it. How do you hear? You learn to listen quietly through prayer and scripture. I want to challenge you every single day of your life, have a quiet time. Have some point in your day set aside that you seek Father's will and Father's heart and you just, you just let all of your overwhelm to be overflowed by the love and the grace of God the Father through Christ the Son and all this through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural, it's transcendent and every day you need to open yourself up to this. Go to you version. You know, there are a hundred Bible reading plans. I'm just telling you, if you would just stop. One, one simple half hour of mindless TV that you don't even remember afterwards. Have you ever done that? Have you ever watched something and then like 10 minutes later going, what, what was that? You just gave an hour of your life to what? But 15 to 30 minutes with a father changes everything. What do you do? You love beautifully through faith and courage. This is how you do God's will. And so, so I would ask you, what does a baby in a manger teach? <laughs> you know, as you imagine, you doing God's will. Well, does this mean I'm going to suddenly be famous? Does this mean that I will write books that the whole world will read? Probably not. But what does a baby in a manger teach? That God is in the small He's in the overlooked. He's in the unexpected. 
He's in the unimportant. So you get off road, get beyond the bounds of religious church culture and go be there with him. Do the will of God. Commit today to an entire life of doing God's will, not my will, but your will be done. The prayer of Jesus on the edge of the cross and obedience to that prayer changed everything. So today in honesty, I'm asking you to decide where you are. Are you here where you don't know Jesus at all and, and God's will right now, it, it, at least to this point, it's been something that, that is, it is, it's been odious to you. It's something you don't want. And today, would you be willing to take the risk of, of a radical new beginning and let your broken be loved into brokenness? Maybe you're here in this hiding place of religion and you know lots of stuff, but you know you're not surrendered. You know that yours isn't a given life. You know that you're still in control. You need to take a move right over here and bend the knee and today say, Father, I am sick of my will. I don't want hell to reign in my life anymore. No more anger. No more broken from my past to reign. No more life all about me. Father, you come in. The gates are open. You be the king of my kingdom. In fact, I have no kingdom anymore. My life is yours. I will give it away in love to whoever I meet. I will be loved and I will be loved, Father. May your will be done and may your kingdom come. That prayer is unstoppable. I have a friend who will change your life. And his name is Jesus. If you will call on him and commit to him. And I'm going to ask you in these moments to do just that. As the worship team comes, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and you to respond to Father. However he has spoken to you today, you give your decision today and get off the tracks. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would begin a radical and bold new work among the, the people in the community of the church at Severn Run. And in these next few moments, Father, hear our hearts of surrender. May the rusty hinges of the gates of our hearts swing wide open because we are inviting you, all of you, to be all in. You pray. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.